As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Think with me for a moment. What's the difference between mission and vision? Mission answers the question, what are we doing? Vision answers the question, where are we going? Henry Ford knew that back when he started Ford Motor Company back in the 1920s. He said the mission of the company was to build Model Ts. That certainly describes what they were doing. But then he articulated the vision in such a clear way when he said, I want to see a Model T in every driveway across the United States. That certainly answers the question, where are we going? And they got there because they sold over 15 million Model Ts, which was the first affordable automobile. Can you believe that? Amazing. Let's get into the current. What about today? Does Amazon understand the difference between mission and vision? I would say they do, because their mission statement answers the question, what are we doing? It says to serve consumers through online and physical stores and to focus on selection, price, and convenience. What about their vision statement? Well, that tells us where they're going as they take over the world. They say, Our vision is to be the Earth's most customer-centric company where customers can find and discover anything they might want to buy online. I would say that that describes who they are, what they're doing, and where they're going. Would you agree? I think the answer is yes, because their annual revenue is, last year, $386 billion. I said billion. Even today, I heard Pastor Craig, who is the location pastor here, literally, I'm coming in from Wheaton, there was a package delivered today to you right now. What could you possibly have ordered for right before the service? (laughs) They understand their mission and vision. Hey, you know what? It's important for any organization, whether you're I don't know, a Fortune 500 company? Whether you're in business for yourself, maybe it's mom and pop, or you own a construction company, or even you got the kids at the end of the driveway selling lemonade. It's important to understand the mission and the vision. So let me ask you this. What's the mission and the vision in the church? Before you say anything, I see some people nodding. I'm a little nervous as to the answer I might get If I gave you a mic, I'm not sure that there's great clarity. And that's a problem. But believe me, by the end of our time together today, you will understand what the mission and the vision is and how it connects to you. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We are in a series, it's called Essentials. We've been talking about the essential practices and the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. I suggested to you last time we were together that this series is almost like you're going back to school. And for those joining us online, you too. 
some distance learning and education. And by the end of it, I said that you're going to receive a master's degree in Christianity. And I got to be honest, I didn't feel any love. I didn't feel like you were on board. I was like, we ain't going back to school. No thanks, whatever. And I'm like, pleading, please. And so I don't see an apple here on my desk to welcome the teacher. So I brought my own orange. That's what I did. So we'll see if that changes next week. But Pastor Craig and all our location pastors and all of our High Point churches and I are your professors in this series because we want to understand the essential beliefs and practices of the Christian faith. So last week we talked about Christian 101, following the call. And this week we're talking about Christian 201, joining the mission. And we're gonna provide clarity so everybody understands what the mission and the vision is so that you can jump on board if you haven't already. And then next week, we're gonna welcome a guest pastor He's a friend of mine and a friend of ours. I mean, we're so thankful to bring Pastor Al Blake is going to be with us here in person. He's the pastor at High Point St. Vincent in the Caribbean. And I'm so excited. I've been at his church. I've preached there. Jody and I have been there. He is going to bring a word from God. Get ready. Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your seats. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. We really want to get you a chance to meet him. And we'll have some time after for that. So then we'll return to our series, as you can see with our syllabus, Christianity 301, sharing the message, then Christianity 401, multiplying the ministry, and we'll finish up with Christianity 501, maximizing the movement. So look with me in your Bibles or online, on your phone, whatever, or possibly even you could look at the screen. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. Let me begin reading in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Holy Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to explore all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, I call out to you now, and I would just ask that you would cause each of us to have a mission and a vision collision in our own hearts, that I believe that you are at work in our world. I believe you are doing some things that you want us to get on board with and to jump on. Would you use your word today and your Holy Spirit, we pray for him, to open our hearts to what you are calling us to do as we desire to hear from you and we desire to obey you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. So let's begin with this biblical truth. The mission and the vision of the church is commissioned by God through Jesus. So what I'm saying here is simply this. I didn't come up with this plan. You didn't come up with this plan. Some pastor, some priest, some nun, some rabbi, nobody came up with this plan. God himself, this is his vision, this is his mission, and he gave it through Christ. That's what it means in verse 16, when it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. See, there was 11 and not 12, because this is, Judas is gone, and this is after Jesus resurrected. It's give or take two, three or four weeks, give or take a few days, 
after Jesus had appeared. And he said, hey, meet me over here. And, and so they gathered. But students, please make note. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us it wasn't just the 11 disciples on that mountaintop. There was 500 people that gathered. Now, what did they do when they saw Jesus return? Man, it says they worshiped him. And so if we were to double click on this word, there's two words in the New Testament. It was originally written in Koine Greek, that Koine Greek, which is not used anymore or spoken, but one of those two words, it literally means to kiss the hand of. So that's what they were doing. It's like what a dog does to its master, if I can say it like that, that the dog shows affection and allegiance and respect. These disciples, they were figuring it out and they finally recognized who Jesus was, what he came to do, and he rose from the grave and they were there. They bowed down and worshiped him. But look closely at the end of verse 17. Circle it in your text. It says that some doubted. That tells me two things. One, turn to your neighbor and say, it's okay to have doubts. Honestly, it is. I think in church, we've made it kind of like, oh, no, you're not supposed, supposed to understand it, embrace everything. No, no, it's okay to have doubts. I would suggest to you that belief and doubt go hand in hand. And to firmly and truly believe, you've got doubts. How can I say that? Well, think about the people that were gathered. They were in the presence of the risen Christ. They could hear him with their own ears. They could see him with their own eyes. They could see the expression on his face. I mean, they could have reached out and touched his nail-scarred hands. And if they had doubts, how can we, sitting 2,000 years ago, not seeing him physically like that, how can we not have doubts? Again, I say, it's okay to have doubts. You don't want to live in that cul-de-sac, but you got to work through your doubts as belief and faith go hand in hand. What's the second thing, though, that this reveals? I don't know. I, I think that it reveals that this book is like totally true, totally accurate, because Matthew's firsthand eyewitness account, he put in there that some doubted. If he was trying to fool us and this wasn't true and he was trying to just make this up on his own, why would he say that some doubt it? He, he wouldn't have done that. What you hold in your hand is reliable, it's accurate, it's trustworthy, and it's from God. That's the book that we're studying today. That's why it's so important. Every detail matters. But then notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me from heaven and from earth. And so he's telling the people his role in regards to mission and vision of the church. That's what he's declaring. So if you got your physical Bibles, keep your finger in Matthew 28 and flip all the way back to Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew 8 and Matthew 9. I'm going to go really quick, but this is really important to understand Jesus's role. What does he mean by all authority? Well, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus has power and authority over disease. That's what the text declares. In verse 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 8, it says, and when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left. I mean, can we believe this stuff? 
That's what the Bible records because Jesus has power over disease. Jesus has power and authority over demons. If you keep reading in verse 16 and 17, it says that evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. He did this to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. He took our illness and bore our disease. Jesus has power over disease and demons. And how about nature? If you flip or look to verse 23, it says this. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm and on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and they woke him and they said, Lord, save us, we're, we're perishing. And, and Jesus said to him, guys, well, why are you so afraid? You have little faith. Well, because they had doubts, do we see it? And, and then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea, they obey him? Jesus has power over disease and demons. Let me give you another D word. How about disaster and difficulty we see here? And next, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus has power and authority over death. That's why we're here today to praise his name. While he was saying these things, it says in verse 18 and 19, Behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And we'll pick it up in verse 23. When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players in the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And he goes on to say, But when the crowd had put been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl rose and the report of this went through all the district. Jesus has power over disease. Jesus has power over demons. Jesus has power over disaster. Jesus, class, has power over death. Jesus has power over everything. If you agree, give me a hand clap. Jesus has power. He has power. We're praising who he is despite our doubt. Jesus has got power. Well, if you're watching online or you're here with us in present, then you say, well, that's great. I get it. But you haven't clearly articulated the mission and the vision yet. Hold on. I'll get to it. This isn't a lecture of 20 minutes. It's going a little longer. What do I mean? Well, the second biblical truth. The mission is to make more disciples while the vision is that more disciples would become disciple makers. So that's the mission and the vision. The mission is we would see more disciples and the vision is that more people would become disciple makers. If this was Henry Ford's example, just like the mission for him was to make cars, the mission of the church is to make disciples. And just like he wanted to see a car, a Model T specifically, in every driveway across the United States, I want to see, because God wants to see, a disciple maker in every seat in the church. That's the vision. That you would become a disciple maker. That's the vision of the church that God has for you. Where is it in the text? Glad you asked. 
English majors, please look at these two verses. There's several action words. Which one is the main verb? Is it go? Is it make? Is it baptize? Is it teach? Oh boy, there's a lot more here than I thought. Is it command? Is it observe? I don't see anyone raising their hands, nor in the balcony. Well, the answer is, I'm hearing a lot, but the, it's actually to make disciples. That's the main verb. That's what tells us that it, in the Greek construction, that it is the mission of the church, to make disciples. The other three, go, baptize, teach, those are participles. So those tell us how to do what we're being called to do. So the mission is to make disciples while the vision is for us to go and baptize and teach. That's how we accomplish the vision. Now, a disciple, I learned this definition a very long time ago by Christopher Adsit. He wrote that a disciple is a person who is willing and eager to listen and to obey the truths that Jesus Christ teaches that will result in a Christ life lifestyle. I love that because what it's implying is that our life needs to be changed as we listen and as we learn to what Jesus gives us and wants to teach us. Here at High Point, we've made it as simple as we can. What's the mission? Well, we wanna see people, what is a disciple? Someone who believes in Jesus? They've come to a place of faith and believe and trust him for who he is and what he did on the cross. They belong to Jesus. Sarah, our worship leader, stood right up here at the stage and she quoted from Galatians chapter two, verse 20 this morning, for I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And by faith, I believe. And, and we believe in the son of God who came for me and died for me. I mean, that's what it looks like to become, to believe and to belong, and lastly, to become. Jesus said it best. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so a disciple is someone who believes, belongs, and becomes like Jesus. That's what a disciple is all about. So that's the mission. What's the vision? Well, I would refer to it as three secrets or four secrets, excuse me, that we need to unveil because I believe there's a disconnect between the mission and the vision of the church, and that's caused the church to take a step back instead of a step forward in our culture. That's caused the church to take a step back and instead of a step forward in our world. That this is kind of like this disconnect is kind of like the Achilles, Achilles heel of the church is that we don't understand the connection between what we're doing and where we're going, the mission and the vision. So let me articulate it like this. The first secret is that the mission and the vision are fulfilled when more people step up willingly. So that's what we're being asked to do. We're being asked to step it up by faith. And that's what's revealed. I heard some people shout out, go, it's a participle. And what it means here in the original language, it's keep going, keep on keeping on, keep on going. And it's awesome that you went to Africa on that missions trip five years ago. 
It's phenomenal that every spring break, you go on a trip and you build homes for Habitat for Humanity. Man, I'm so thankful that you're doing that, but that's not what I'm talking about. Go is a continuous going. It's a missional mindset. It's not about a mission trip. It's not about one-time occurrence. It's about a lifestyle and a mindset that you have that what? That I'm going to be used by God. That I'm going to step up for him. That every time I step out of my house, when I step out of my car, whatever situation or circumstance I find myself in, I am a disciple that wants to be used by him to go. I want to step up my game for the kingdom. I want to do what God has called me to do. That's what it means to go. I believe that each of us has been given a circle of influence. God has sovereignly placed you in a family, in a community. Some of your circles of influences, if we're honest, are quite larger than others. But that's not the point. What are you doing in the midst of your circle of influence? Do you have a missional mindset? That's where this is going. So thankful I see Pastor Marty. He's sitting in the front row, Marty Rowan, and he leads our student ministries and our family ministries. Can we praise God for him and the team that's behind him? And so he led a phenomenal retreat. I mean, we could say so much about what's happening this summer, but the last couple weeks, like two weeks ago, a bunch of kids and 200 leaders and students, they went up to Baraboo, Wisconsin, man. They had fun. They did all kinds of things, but they opened up God's word and they studied God's word and students responded. I could celebrate the dozens of junior high and high school students who made commitments to Christ or even one girl who Marty told us about that she described how I wasn't going to go and but I did and and her leaders were praying for her and coaching her and rooting for her and and she finally came to that place where what I believed in my head like hit my heart and and now she's turning away from some things and, and she's moving in a direction that God desires and I could share all those stories with you but the one I want to focus on is about all the adult leaders that continue to serve each week and that decided to do what? To make a sacrifice. Some of them took time off jobs and we're going to go up to Baraboo, Wisconsin and they got away from their families. They sacrificed their time to be an influencer. They stepped up willingly. They're an example that we got to step up. You say, I don't have a circle of influence. Yes, you do. You want a broader one? We'll give you one here. I love the fact that my kids, uh, my, my three girls, you know, and, and two of them are married, they're son-in-laws, and, and they're always talking about anybody under 30, influencers, man. I mean, it's influencers. There's influencers. You know, some people, are, is it, are you an influencer? And social media, do you realize that you could become an influencer if you get that many likes on YouTube and all these things, and you can get paid for the shoes you're wearing? You're an influencer. You get paid for the shirt that you got on if you're an influencer. You can get paid for how good you smell if you're an influencer. I'm not an influencer. And maybe I'm guessing you aren't either. But what I'm saying to you is you can be because we can be an eternal influencer if we take this seriously. If we step up, we can be an internal influencer in the midst, eternally speaking, for the people that God has placed in our lives. That's what it means to go. Man, every day, every situation, where I find myself, I'm going to go. I'm going to step up. Second, secret that needs to be inviolate. So the mission of the church and the vision of the church become true reality in your heart and lives is that the mission and vision are fulfilled when more people speak up boldly. 
Now let's look directly at the text because this is the more difficult one to see at first glance. And what it says is, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you're thinking, well, baptism, okay, I've been around here a bit. I, I know that it's belief then baptism. Yep, got that right. It's not baptism then belief because baptism is just an expression, a symbol of my decision to follow Christ. So when I get in a baptism tank and we have it and, and people say that, they're, they're making a public proclamation that they've made a decision to follow Christ. So it's baptism and belief. So what's that got to do with me? Well, it's got everything to do with you. In the New Testament, baptism and belief were so closely linked that people got confused as to which came first. Read the book of Acts. They believed and they were baptized immediately. There's no class. There was just belief baptism. And so baptism in the New Testament is a picture of evangelism. That's what this is teaching. It's a picture of evangelism. And evangelism is simply you sharing your faith, speaking up boldly about God has changed you and wants to change others. Evangelism, simply speaking, is talking about three things. Who Jesus is, what he did, and what he did for you, and how you can respond. That's evangelism. And so when he says that we're to baptize, it's the process to which somebody becomes a Christian. And then what happens? Well, they believe and they belong and they become like him. See, baptism, it's kind of like this ring that I'm wearing. And so I, this ring, it, it's a wedding ring. And so if I take this ring off, it's just a, it doesn't mean I'm not married. I'm not married because I'm wearing this ring and there's power in that. I'm married because I stood at an altar and I said I do to my wonderful wife and it was that, that that's what I'm, made me married. And this ring is just a symbol. And so baptism is a symbol that somebody said I do to Jesus, amen? They said I do, man, I want to follow him. I want to be like him. I, I want to understand him and, and so our job is to evangelize, to speak up boldly. That's the vision that God has for the church for us as we make disciples. That's what we're called to do. We've been entrusted with the gospel. That's what the scripture says. Third secret, secret to vision and mission. The mission and vision are fulfilled when more people train up intentionally. And so that's probably the easiest one to see. Look with me at verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And so Jesus is like, hey, I taught you some stuff that I want you guys to teach some other people. I want you to teach to some others. That, that's what he's saying. And so my favorite verse on discipleship, that's what this is talking about. My favorite verse, it isn't 2 Timothy 2.2 where, you know what, uh, faithful men who teach others also, and no, it's not that. It's John chapter 3, verse 22. It's an easy one. It's a simple one. You can kind of skip over it if you don't miss it. It just simply says that Jesus spent time with his disciples. He hung out with them. He did life with them. He did what? He went fishing with them. He sat around a campfire with me. Uh, went to Target with them. He checked out a few ball games. Jesus spent time with his disciples. So discipleship isn't just a classroom experience like we have a tendency to think, which it isn't wrong. But to Jesus, it was more of an apprenticeship program, just like an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter that, that no, I learn by doing. And 
I get out on the job and I learn and I do and I see and I watch and that's what Jesus did. And so we have a discipleship problem in the church is that we're not training people up for what comes next. And I've never been discipled. That's what people are saying. That's why we need to have a mission and a vision collision and that's what we need to be filled. If we're gonna fulfill the mission of the church, we need more people to step up We need more people to speak up. We need more people to train up. We're going after it this fall. I could talk about a lot of initiatives that we're looking for to do some things in regards to training up. We do groups, group life around here. Why? Because we want to see, like Jesus' example, people in other people's homes and doing life and and praying for each other, and being with each other, and being in relationship, not just being in a classroom environment where there's a teacher, and a chalkboard, and an iPad. No, it's life on life, and that's what we see in the New Testament. This year, Pastor Craig's leading an initiative for all of our church, and we're going after the men. We're going after the men. Every man, at every age, at every stage, at every location. And we're going to present what I'm calling a 10-lesson apprenticeship program on biblical Christian manhood. We're going to go after everybody. We want to see more people, more men in our church engaged. 10 lessons, life on life, getting into relationship with others. I'm going to be doing it. Pastor Craig's going to be doing it. All our location pastors are doing it. We're coming after you. Why? Because we want to lead the way. Let's praise God for his goodness. Let's praise God for his his grace. And the reason we're doing this is because we want to lead the way for the church. I love what Dallas Willard said. Dallas Willard says this. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Don't you love that? That's what we're going after. We want more of Jesus in our lives so that we can be an influencer to others. Lastly, good message so far? Last thing is this, it's the secret. The mission and the vision are fulfilled when more people look up expectantly. This is probably my favorite part. It says in the text, and I love quoting the old version, I don't do that very often, it says, and lo, I will be with you always. I honestly, I don't even know what lo means. But it sounds better, doesn't it? Lo, I'm gonna be with It's a promise. Jesus is making a promise to you when it comes to the vision and the mission of the church. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I got this, no problem, I've been doing it, look at the notches on my belt, I got this together, come on. If that's you, I'm a little nervous. Because I don't think it's that easy And I don't think any of us truly get it and we can do it on our own. I think if you're like me and you step back for a moment after teaching like this and you're like, man, I don't know, this is pretty big ask. Like what you're talking about, I'm not sure if I know how to do it. I'm not sure if anybody ever really helped me to understand it. That's why we need to look up expectantly, expecting that Jesus will do the work, expecting that Jesus will show up as you take a step of obedience in faith to apply the mission and the vision of the church to other people's lives. That's what he's asking us to do. 
I love what D.L. Moody said. He said that evangelism, the best evangelist, I mean, he led thousands of people to Christ. He said the best evangelist is the Holy Spirit. Do you know what he means by that? Because he's not doing it, I'm not doing it, you're not doing it. That God's Spirit is the one that encourages. God's Spirit is the one that convicts. God's Spirit is the one that brings to mind what we need to do and gives us wisdom. God's Spirit. You know, I think of this message, and I think when it comes to the mission and the vision of the church and discipleship, we're kind of like this glove. And what I mean by that is, you know, I mean, this is a work glove. We got driving gloves. We got dress-up gloves. I don't know. Got all kinds of different gloves. Different sizes, different shapes, different colors, different purposes. And, And this glove, I mean, it can't do anything on its own. Can't pick up that orange or dial that phone. Certainly can't take a drink of water. I mean, this glove on its own can't do anything. Foolish example, but true. Until what? Until there's a hand in it. And then this glove can do all kinds of things. I would suggest to you that unless God's hand is on you and his spirit is filling you and his spirit is moving you and his spirit is guiding you and his spirit is empowering you to go, to baptize, to teach, that you can't get it done. I don't know about you, but that gives me confidence. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, that you would make disciples of all nations, every tongue, every tribe, every people group, that they would become not only disciples, but disciple makers. Let's review what we've learned on one slide. This is a trick or a clue. This will be on the final. In Matthew 28, we learn the mission of the church so that we can fulfill the vision. So at the beginning, I said, what's the mission? What's the purpose? Man, what are we making? We're making disciples, people who are learners and followers of Jesus, who believe, belong, and become. And then what's the vision? Well, the vision is that everyone, all Christians are disciples, but not all Christians are disciple, uh, disciples are disciple makers. So we become a disciple maker who does what? The vision is fulfilled in each of us as we step up willingly, as we go, as we speak up boldly, as we evangelize, as we train up intentionally, as we do all that Jesus commanded, and as we look up expectantly, as we remember the promise that he gave us. So that's what we're being called to do. Is anybody doing it? Yeah, lots of people are doing it. We want to see more people doing it. This is the best service, man, because we are commissioning today a group of people who are doing it. Two of our pastors are being planted for works in the suburbs of Chicago. Two couples, you're going to hear from them in a moment, and they're being planted and commissioned to do high point works in different places. Here in Naperville, in a moment, you're going to be introduced to Pastor John Hanger and his wife, Amber. And Jody and I, we've known John and Amber for a long time. John, he came on staff in 2007. We got into this building. When we bought this building, he was our youth pastor. And, and John was my girls, my two oldest girls' youth pastor. And then he went to Croatia, and he'll tell you he came back, and he's planning this new work. Tim and Tracy Yach, I was just at Wheaton. Some of you know that I travel to Wheaton. I do the message there, and then I come back here. 
And so I was on the stage with him and him and Tracy, no strangers to us. Back in 2007, when we got into this building, Tracy was on staff and she was leading, helping with our kids' ministries. And, and Tim went and got his education and went and served at another church that we helped plant. And now he's back and we're planting him. These are people who are being commissioned to step up, speak up, train up, and look up. But as you hear from them, and as we pray for them, Pastor Craig's gonna be on stage with Pastor Steve, and we're gonna commission them. It's not just about them. I know that's hard for you to hear, John. It's not all about you. I'm joking as John stands back there because we got a long friendship, but he knows this too. It isn't about him. It's about what God's doing and how he's stepping into it. And so we're gonna commission you to be a person who does these things too in your circle of influence. We want to give you the permission to step it up for Jesus and to do what? To spread the great commission as we've studied today. Take a look at the screen. Hi Point, you have been such a support and encouragement to us this past year. For Amber and I, we moved here from Croatia to plant a new church. Yeah, and Trace and I moved here from Kansas City during the pandemic, trusting God to use us to plant a church. And guess what? We have facilities secured for both of our locations. Let's go. Awesome stuff. In, In Hinsdale and St. Charles. Charles. There we go. <laughs> I feel like life has been a lot about steps of obedience, steps of faith, being willing to meet with God, to hear from His Word, and then to go forward. When you know that God wants you to do something, you have to go forward and do it. And there's really no holding back. Early in our marriage, we read a quote from a missionary, his name was C.T. Studd. You have one life, it will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And that just resonated that with yep. the both of us, where it was like, whatever we do, it's gotta have some sort of eternal impact. It's gotta have something that's gonna actually last. God just began to break down the walls of my heart. And I knew that I was called to plant a church, that that was something that we were called to do together. We love the, the, the mission of High Point, which is to help people believe in, belong to, and become like Jesus. And not just that that's this sort of, hey, this is what the church is doing, but how do we help people own that as that? That's their mission. I want to be a person. We want to be people that lead out and do that. We want to care for people. We want to have fellowship. We want to bring community. That's what we're all about, is being able to kind of go shoulder to shoulder with people and go, let's do it. Let's see, let's watch God work in our own lives and then in the lives of our communities. Yeah. On September 12th, we're gonna be launching at the Baker Community Center right in downtown St. Charles. I mean, we really believe that we're gonna see the kingdom of God expanded and we're thrilled to see what God's gonna do this fall as we launch High Point Hinsdale. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit exciting. It's kind of everything. It's all of the above, but like we believe that God is going to be faithful and we believe that He is bringing us to this place to see people believe in, belong to, to become more like Christ. And we are so excited that we get to be a part of that.